Welcome to the REL Talk Show, where we get up close with some of the greatest business minds in APAC as they answer 10 questions about marketing, business, leadership, and management. Discover how current trends combine with timeless marketing principles for undisputed business success and become a marketing leader to go beyond your farthest ambitions. So get ready for some real talk with leaders in 10 questions with your host, Vineet Rajan. Srinivas has been helping build brands and businesses for the last 17 years. The former chief marketing officer of Burger King India has built a career which has been about American brands stepping foot into India and other countries. From running rural marketing programs for Glucon D to launching Pringles in India to consumer inciting with Kenyan teenagers in Africa and to leading breakfast category marketing for Kellogg's and then finally leading Burger King through a pandemic. He's done it all. An am Lucknow graduate, he believes in leading by empathy, nurturing a team culture which puts the consumer first and creating curiosity at scale. Welcome to the show, Srinivas. Very excited to have you on the show. You've worked on some of the most iconic brands from US, made them great success in India. Some of them my favorites, like I love burgers and I think Burger King and the Whoppers are right on top of my list for my go-to for a good hearty meal. Very excited to have this chat with you. Thanks, Srini. Thank you so much. Thanks for the kind words. Happy to be here. So, Srini, we have seen a lot about your work how we have progressed. But if you were to define yourself in a few words as a marketeer, how would you do that? Uh, interesting question. You know, it's been a long time now, right? 17 years and, and over the years, I've figured out what really gets me going uh, as far as marketing is concerned. Firstly, I must say I'm quite a romantic at heart. I still passionately believe in the power of ideas and the power of creatives and the difference that it could make to building businesses. So I'm a hopelessly optimistic and romantic as far as the role and the power of marketing is concerned. The second thing which I find really fascinating about the marketing is the whole, the yin and the yang of marketing as I put it, right? The quant versus the call, the science versus the art, the performance marketing part of it versus the brand building part of it, the long-term strategic thinking part of it versus the monthly sales target part of it, and to dealing with the CFO versus dealing with the young creative at the agency. So I just love that whole yin and yang and, and that whole dynamics that are involved there. And lastly, if I were to really be sharp to your question i think as a person i empathy comes naturally to me i, I start to and make an effort to understand the other person's perspective and i think that's an advantage when you look at it from a marketing perspective i think if you can bring empathy to marketing it's a great zone to be in so i see a very natural fit there so few few points if i might say as to how i look at myself as a marketeer Great. And I hear you when you talk about empathy as well, reflects very clearly in the kind of work you've done because everywhere I see the one thing that stands out really well is you've really understood the consumer. I think I've been fortunate to work with uh, some really great people in the industry over the last 17 years. Uh, and I think one of the things that I've picked over the years is as long as you put the consumer at the center of everything, it's a, it's a the most cliched said things. It's often said again and again, but trust me, it's not 
easy to follow it as a rigorous practice day in and day out across organizations and large teams so really it's about putting consumer at the center of everything that you do number one number two it's also about building a culture around that right it is one thing to go run to the consumer do a research when there is a big business brief on the table but it's an altogether another thing where you make it a way of life for marketing teams across the board where talking to the consumer doing social listening doing ethnographies just understanding what's happening in their life out of just curiosity and out of just it's just the way you 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 run your function it's just the way you run your uh, team so i think this is some of the things that i learned from my seniors over the years and that's something which i'm very passionate about because it is not easy but once you crack it like they say right with an insight you know it when you see it so once you crack it i think it, it the rest of the journey becomes very simple and much easy and again from my experience when i could say a lot of times i've struggled myself and in my larger teams where we didn't have a clear understanding or a sharp insight on the table because then everything builds from there beat the product beat the marketing mix beat the media choices you make everything builds from there so if you don't build that first part then more often than not it becomes an upstream struggle and and you're constantly second guessing and going back to the board so yeah absolutely i i i love the fact that consumer is the center of things and i strongly think that's the way it should be and this kind of insight that you have with respect to the consumer won't have come overnight walk us through your professional journey like how did you get here so i had my own sets of twists and turns in my career 17 years is a long time i i come from hyderabad and all hyderabadi boys what we do is we quickly do our engineering and get done with it which is what <laughs> i've done and then then once i started doing my mba i i really been fortunate to have a couple of very good professors professor jha professor avinash mulki in, in i am lucknow back in the days 2004 2005 and that's where really my love for marketing kind of triggered off and from there till now really uh, vinay my single biggest anchor in terms of career decisions or the journey that i've had has been looking at good big juicy marketing challenge on the table that gets me exciting and i've made my choices that way in 17 years is a long time but it's been quite a canvas right from my earlier days where i started off by making uh, trade schemes for wholesalers in nazafgarh from there to launching pringles in india to doing ethnographies with kenyan teenagers in nairobi to understanding weight related concerns with uh, young girls in cape town to working leading burger through a pandemic situation where you are a restaurant retail facing brand and your restaurants are closed right how do you still remain brand salient so the single guiding factor for me or an anchor for me has been to look for those big juicy marketing challenges and that really kept me going and like i said thanks to the professors and some really senior folks that i've happened to work with also in marketing the learning is experiential you you learn as you go right yes there are lots of books great theories Uh, but you got to do it you got to do it and you got to do it with a great team and that so yeah it's been quite a crazy ride when i look back i must say um, there been more days uh, where it didn't feel like work because i've really enjoyed that ride when you spoke about how you looked for marketing opportunities all through your career i was going through the work that you have done in the last one year and if i were to describe it amazingly fast very agile and you've really made this work to your advantage with the changing dynamics last year how have you been able to drive this level of agile marketing 
If I go back, I think early last year, right, when the pandemic hit us, none of us knew what was coming. And we were just from a professional perspective, from a business perspective, a lot of marketing teams were at the forefront of trying to navigate the situation, especially retail brands and restaurant brands, because overnight, literally everything has changed in terms of how consumers are leading their lives, how they're evaluating brands and choices, the frequency of purchase, everything has changed overnight, literally. To be honest, the first one to two weeks, we were absolutely scurrying. We were firefighting, we were responding, we were reacting, we were trying to do all the changes that were required for the new normal, as they said back then. But I think after the first one week, 10 days, I really had this moment where, you know, I just, one of those typical days where I locked myself whole day of Zoom meetings. And at the end of the day, I felt, I don't think this is going to change, at least for the near future. And I had a call with my team and we said, hey, 100 days, let's give ourselves 100 days. Assume it's going to be the same. What are we going to do as a brand? And that's really where we put that big vision or an opportunity on the table. We said, every crisis presents an opportunity and it's on to us as a brand team. How do you make that count? So from there on, we 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 pulled in our agency partners as well to this whole vision to say, hey, if this were to be an opportunity, if this were to be status quo for the next 100 days for the industry and for the consumer, what would we do as a brand? So I think to your question, the first moment uh, where it really mattered for us for the stuff that we could do last year was to put that on the table to say, it's an opportunity for the brand. How do you make that count for the brand? That's one. The second thing is just in terms of the teams here, really, right? We've been blessed. I've been blessed all through my career and, and specifically to your question with Burking last year, where we had a team which was geared for this. We had a lot of agency partners who were absolutely with their skin in the game and wanting to make a difference for the brand. They were genuinely passionate and were in love with the brand. So that really matters in a situation like this. You need people to come to the party to understand the context and be ready to jump in so number two just in terms of the agencies and the ecosystem and third thing which we've really done is stay very close to the consumer in terms of listening in terms of understanding what has been changing so i'll give you an example here right so when we when the initial lockdown happened last year there was a lot of fear there's a lot of anxiety and and concern about what the new ones are going through families were separated hostel kids were stranded here without food and hence and so forth so then we did a campaign called the reassuring whopper where the mom can order a whopper for her son in Bombay. But slowly over the months, as the relaxations came in and people have started to normalize and see the brightest, if not the brighter side, but be normal about it. You know, we did a campaign called Bail Me Out Be Care, which is about kitchen experiments that have gone wrong. Everybody was trying to do their own pasta or own biryani. But to be honest, everything doesn't come out the way it looks in Instagram. So we were actually saying, if you have a burnt pizza or a cookie that went bad, Share that picture and get a free whopper. So we stayed close to what is happening in the consumer's lives. And we've you know, made ourselves relevant. And now, as I see what's panning out, I think it's increasingly important for brands to be uh, very relevant, socially relevant, if I might say, in the current situation. I don't think, given the pain and the suffering that everybody is going, I think it's time for brands to step back and see how do we empathize and be compassionate and be socially relevant. But coming back to your question, Vinit, how did we manage to stay agile? Like I said, number one, we had a clear vision and said, let's look at it as an opportunity for the brand. Number two, I had a team which was fully on board because there were no long meetings and long brainstorming sessions and minutes of meetings shared like it would happen in an ideal environment. It was all still new. Now we're all few veterans with Zoom meetings and online working. But back then it was just the teams all pulling their weight. Very close to consumer in terms of understanding trends and for us being to react. 
and as leaders also what i could do really was to make it clear saying this is not the time to go after perfection we said agility first and perfection later so i think these are the three or four principles that we had put on table and and we embraced them and went after this like for example every retail brand was last year doing safety videos hygiene videos all of them short and all of that but what we had done really was we just leveraged the power of our staff across the restaurants in india where they actually shot stuff on their video and they just sent it back to us where the brand team and the agency then put that together with a decent edit so just about being nimble being entrepreneurial just being agile first perfection can come later so some of these things really helped us guide through the period and going by what you also done last year and even before i've seen that you've really latched on to specific moments of pop culture to drive the message while it is good for short term and you've done a lot of this really how does one use moment marketing for brand building for the long term or is it only a short term play see um i i look at moment marketing as a piece in a larger marketing plan you do many things as a brand you are obviously doing uh stuff on mainstream media which is your tv and larger than life big investment campaigns you are doing stuff around in store touch point experiential marketing especially for retail brands and uh, fmcg brands from a uh, shopper perspective uh, you are of course doing a lot of stuff from a performance marketing perspective for retail brands where you, where you are running uh quantitative analytical led campaigns for consumer acquisition and retention and then comes social media marketing like you said so one it's important to realize that it is a important cog in a larger wheel right as to how you create a marketing plan number one number two you got to understand that it might not be something every brand can pull off or do it has to be in the ethos and you have to be able to work that at every point in time it doesn't work if if you're doing it as a flash in the pan you have to be you have to internalize it across your whole team and it has to be a, a fundamental thing of the brand and to your point if you see burking for example uh, we had been consistent in 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 talking about it in in living it rather across multiple occasions so for me my learnings again specifically to your question is one you have to have it as part of your larger strategy number 2 it's a bit of something that i call how do i put it it's something that i called as uh, planned impulsive but yet still planned so if you look at typical windows in an year uh, you can plan moment marketing my, in my experience about 70% of the good stuff that you see outside uh, is actually planned before it's the 20% which is basically individual brilliance and creativity and thanks to the teams that you've built so have that balance of both where you have that thing uh, already planned like for example the last valentines day the seema taparia activation that we've done so we always knew feb 14 is going to be a ten pole day as far as content and uh, moment marketing is concerned so we were working on that and it wasn't really something that we just uh, put up overnight but on the other side when we when the first lockdown came up in 2020 in march we actually put up a notice which basically just said don't come to burger king because you know what matters now is we will come to you with a burger but you don't have to come to us given everything else but that was just an idea that just came up overnight because we were just responding to the situation there so have a good balance of planned as well as spontaneity planned spontaneity is the mix that that i was trying to get to and again agility comes very important as far as moment marketing is concerned you cannot have five six levels of approvals as far as uh, social media posts and moment marketing is concerned for once i mean the way we used to work with working very lean structure in terms of approval on this side of the business otherwise it 
otherwise it can you don't have to send it to the us to get approval those things don't work so so agility and lastly i would say you will need one or two superstars who can understand what's happening in consumers life to i'll be honest i'm quite old perhaps for today's younger generation what's happening day in and day out but thankfully i have a couple of folks who who understands this inside out who breathe the consumer who are digitally native as a user as a consumer as a person himself or herself so you need to have that team in place to be able to pull this off dear listeners we'd like to take a minute to put in a word from our partner and podcast host hub hopper Hubhopper Studio is India's leading podcast creation platform. You can start podcasting with Hubhopper Studio and get your voice heard across platforms like Spotify, Ghana, Google Podcasts, Wink Music, and more. So click on the link in the episode description or visit www.hubhopperstudio.com. I'm also picking up on the last bit that you mentioned about superstars who really live and breathe the consumer. I'm sure you would have got a lot of ideas. in your work life from your teams how do you choose the best idea from the good ones and i'm sure it's also a reflection of your management style at some point when an idea comes on the table right the way i have the simple 2 uh, by 2 grid in my head wherein i look at it say effort versus impact grid it's something which i call put it that way the amount of effort it takes to mount the idea execute the idea and of course the resourcing etc what is the impact that would would me so i think that really helps me kind of fine tune and put a funnel and a filter through ideas that come through that's number one number two in most marketing companies fmcg largely you have a fully uh, built marketing calendar with flash and blood it's completely scaled up you are very clear month on month sometimes week on week what's going to come next what's going to come later my two cents and learning on that is you should one should always have it Uh, but there's also this danger of getting caught up with it you should always leave that window where as much as if you have a fully scaled up fully fleshed out marketing calendar on in your on your table but you also leave that bit of bandwidth both in terms of resources and space of mind and opportunity in terms of getting fresh ideas on the table so have that balance ready again and again lastly comes back to the culture in terms of ideas and shortlisting i would always happy will be happy to work in an environment and culture where there is more competition for good ideas to get through rather than me as the marketing leader i am chasing the team saying hey where are the ideas what are we doing so i have been more fortunate to be on this side uh, rather than the other side so that's how i've really looked at it in terms of ideas and shortlisting and and what kind of breaks the mold I, also I I think what happens is over the time you build that rapport with the agencies they do understand if if the marketing team is saying no to an idea or feeling extremely passionate about another idea so over the times you build that soft spot of working seamlessly together they do understand after a while hey i think this idea will get to shrini i think we know him or this okay this doesn't work for the brand so it it comes with a bit of um, uh hard night work and and lot of fighting and debating but i think you'll land there right that's the one on building an idea engine and having people and a certain algorithm if i might say to shortlist and green light some and red light a lot of them so that's on that the other one which you said just on management style or leadership style i think i would drop on what i started this conversation with vinit which is about the empathy uh, piece of it i am a big sucker for not just the what but also the how when we all get to work and do go through our careers and our job i always emphasized and i ran into similar thinking in with my superiors as well where hey it's not just the what 
equally important is how you're doing it. So leading with empathy, if I might put it, that's something which comes naturally to me and that's the way I look at things, especially when it comes to people and leadership. But you know what? We spend, what, 60-70% of our waking hours at work. So it's a place for me which can't just be only transactional. It has to be more than that. It has to be where we, we are giving ourselves our fair, our more than 100% to each other as people. So I, I look at it at that way. I That's one number one guiding principle for me in terms of my style of leadership or management. The second thing for me is, which I always you know try to share with my teams is, especially marketing teams is, it's your footprint that you're building. It's your legacy that you're building. I would always look at myself for my past things saying, if I picked up the journey at say at level X, when I left it, is it where is it? Is it 2X? Is it 1.5X? Or is it X by 2, right? It's your legacy and it's your footprint. Right. And that's been my endeavor with all my uh, teams, my peers, my supervisors to say, hey, in my role, wherever I play, have I been able to, you know, help you get to your 2x? That's, again, a, a simple principle that helped me over the journey. Right. If I start working with a team which is working at X and my endeavor is always to scale them up from X to multiples of X. Rightly said, Srini, as a CMO or somebody who's a leader in an organization, if you're not working towards leaving a legacy, I'm not sure what value you would be really adding. And in terms of helping your superstars give you the best ideas or working with the agencies, totally hear you on that. In fact, talking of younger people who are joining the workforce, my experience, and please correct me if I'm wrong, has been that the marketing workforce today is heavily skewed towards digital-first marketeers. How have you been able to make that work for you and with the brands that you have managed. Yeah, I think there are two sides to this story. It, it's a bit similar to what I said uh, in response to your question on moment marketing. I look at digital marketing as uh, marketing within the digital platform and not like another beast of itself. It is part of a larger experience plan that you build for the consumer, right? You have something which, which includes retail, you have something which includes TV, and accordingly, you wish you build something for digital. It's just that... Digital as a platform is highly frequented, it's high affinity for the user, and it's also very high on UGC or the user-generated content. So that's where your brand tends to live and breathe much more actively than, say, some of the other media that I mentioned. So that's really the strategic importance of uh, digital, if I might say. And of course, there are so many other metrics that we know in terms of usage, in terms of penetration, that's that's likely to go up for the next coming years or so. Specific to your question on 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 the talent and people who, who are increasingly coming into the marketing workforce, I think if you see today's younger generations, guys who are passing out of college or, or just before 30, if I might say, like you rightly said, they are digitally native. So they, a lot of the times they think digital or they think colluding the offline and the online world. In fact, there's this interesting movie on Netflix these days. It's called The Mitchells versus Machines, right? Do catch the movie if you can. It's animation. It's every few minutes into the story, you see a meme being built on the side, right? Of what's happening in the movie. Right. It's quite fascinating. But that's how people tend to think these days. The GIFs, the memes, the Twitter one-liners, that's how they're being built. So if I were to put it to, I would respond to your question in two ways. One, it's absolutely refreshing. And I, for one, thoroughly welcome these younger stars who are coming with a very digitally native mindset, because that's where most of our brands live actively, like I said. All the more for some of the younger brands that I've led, like Pringles or Burking, because these are the ones which are 
literally digitally first. So it's a great mix to be there, number one. Number two, having said that, it's very easy to get carried away and, and let digital do the all the heavy hitting. I, I would not prescribe to that. And in my experience, like I said, it plays an important role, but it plays a certain role in a larger scheme of things as far as the marketing construct is concerned for a brand. So, so as long as teams and leaders are clear of that, I think it, it's win-win. Yeah. A lot of times we tend to think medium first and then everything starts coming into place. Absolutely. And and that's one of the other things which I find super fascinating with marketing, right? When I started uh, way back, we had what, three and a half or four and a half of mediums to choose from. Look at what's happening now. It's You're just spoiled for choices. And hence, within that choice is, is the challenge on your ability to think, to be analytical, to have the ROIs in place, to balance both the brand building as far as the performance marketing side of things. So... Never been a better time, right? Definitely. And coming back to our earlier discussion on consumer insights, what has been your secret to gaining the best consumer insights and then translating them into effective propositions and which have led to these great campaigns that you've worked on? So what's the secret, uh, Srini? Like always, there's no specific secret. You, <laughs> you painstakingly go through, you painstakingly go through hours of consumer research. You lock yourself in a in a room in uh, rural Tamil Nadu and figure out why on earth are these guys consuming so much of oat of all things. And then hopefully you come back with something that that looks like half an idea and you keep building from there. So I think first and foremost, you got to be curious, right? You got to be genuinely, personally interested, saying. I want to know what's happening in my audience life. It could be that homemaker in Coimbatore or it could be that teenager in Punjab who's buying Pringles by loads every week. You just want to go and first understand. So you've got to have that bone of curiosity to say, hey, I want to know this just at a personal level. I think that's where it starts uh, really, number one. Number two, imagine if you could build this kind of a culture built on curiosity and genuine passion for understanding consumers at scale, right? Imagine you have six agency partners, 14 team members, all of them on the same wavelength in terms of saying, hey, I want to crack this. Like I've seen this and we used to do it very well back in Kellogg. We used to call it something like a K-Day where the entire organization used to head out and do consumer research just for one day. We used to just head out and, and everybody would go and just meet consumers across the length and breadth of the country. So if you can, you know, unleash that you know, that curiosity and that genuine passion at that mass scale. And of course, the marketing teams used to do it not once in a year, but every month at a certain scale and the agency partners, of course. So it's about building that culture around this, This that this insights are important. This consumer immersions is where everything starts. I think that's the second one. First is obviously being genuinely curious. Second is just the passion and the ecosystem and the culture around it. The third thing, which again, I've seen it day in and day out across my 17 years is lot of ideas, lot of insights that generate most often than not, they die by the time they come out of the company funnel. By the time the consumer sees either they die or they come out in, in you you started with a action thriller, it ended up being a romantic uh, musical. And it's not because of anybody's wrongdoing. It's just the way corporations are wired. Imagine an idea or an insight, right? Say it is born between a brand manager and a research agency in a small town on a certain day, right? There is this idea that is there. Now, that idea, stage one, gets converted either into a food brief or a communications brief. Post, then you get food or communication, whatever it is out of it, and then it goes through this whole stringent funnel of approvals and validation researches and all of that. Then you have, in theory, something that is validated or something that the management or the top leaders have approved. 
then it gets into execution if it's a it's with a product it's being built painstakingly by your r&d team and and the larger supply chain teams if it's a communication idea then you know it's it's being executed with scripts and storyboards and all of that so by the end of it right compared to that insight that you pick to what has come out it could look very different and i have seen quite a few of times where we burnt hands that way so i think to cut the story short it's really the role of the marketing leader and when i say marketing leader not necessarily the cmo for in most cases it's a brand manager who's in charge of the brand that he's protecting it like a small child that he's nurturing that idea i'm not saying the idea that you get a zero is exactly what you launch you nurture it you build it you improvise it but it's very important that it is not lost in the surround and the processes and everything else that organizations go through and sometimes an idea has only a certain short shelf life when my team came up with the whole idea about what seema tapare idea this f14 the earlier f14 we actually did a take on competition right where we've seen one of the competitions key mascot always sitting alone on a bench for valentines day and again you know it was short lived because it just had to click for that valentines day otherwise the idea is dead so just a few nuances around your question but yeah it comes painstakingly it all looks good in the end but it takes a lot of work and also an eye to look at an inside and say hey this can have legs it's very instinct driven as well absolutely absolutely and instinct again like some of the famous personalities have said is built over time with experience and experiences that you go through yeah there is a lot you've spoken about authenticity but authenticity is often very over abused when it comes to communicating a brand proposition and today consumers have this really powerful bullshit detector how can one be truly authentic without mincing words if you're too authentic is there a risk do you draw a line somewhere your thoughts see i think authenticity in itself is a continuum or a scale right if you are as a brand positioned saying hey i will always be honest i'll always be authentic with you that's that's a certain that's on the extreme side of the continuum where you're positioned that way for example the brands that i work with burger king is a brand that way where we always say we will always be as it is we don't have to be politically correct we don't want to be like a formal uh, kind of a thing we want to depict a situation like it happens in college canteens that's our, that's burger king as a brand it's conversational so it made a lot of sense for the brand to be authentic in its tonality i also worked with a brand like say kellogg where it it largely speaks to a target audience which is a homemaker or the breakfast giver in the house now their authenticity on the continuum is not in the same zone as burger king right here we are saying i am the breakfast nutrition expert so i will give you all the details and help you make the choice can help make breakfast a nutritious nourishment every day right so it is not it doesn't you don't have to force the brand to be extremely conversationalist or cheeky or super cool lingo or anything like that so to answer your question number one brands have to choose the spot on this authenticity authenticity continuum where they fall naturally right both in terms of their uh, life cycle the categories they play and the target audience they address so i think once you make the choice it's about living that up across all your touch points right i think the double edged sword that trying to be overtly you've got trying to put yourself position yourself as a woke brand if you don't walk the full line is you get called out and like today's time and age we've got extremely vocal consumers especially the gen z and the millennials who who don't mince words in calling that out so i think brands please choose where you fall on that continuum number 1 uh, and number 2 walk that talk across every touch point and stay true to it yeah we coming to the final pieces of of the show shrini and last year while it's been a humanitarian crisis of sorts 
But if I were to take that out and just look at the positives, at a very broad level, how do you feel the pandemic has positively impacted how we market? Yeah, I think it's a great question. You cannot uh, survive in a setup or a context like this without being extremely relevant, uh, because what's happening now in consumers' lives are they are obviously going through extremely tough times unprecedented in our lifetime but for brands to be uh, meaningful in any way if they could be in this situation i think one you have to be relevant or just become obsolete there is no point in going over the board and shouting out of the top of a mountain about hey i give you xyz and if you buy me you get x percentage off i think that you can't pull that off in today's time you have to be you have to work hard as a marketing team to figure out those points of relevance and dial up your offerings on those points of relevance and we see some of these brands some of the brands are already doing it right we've seen a lot of sanitizer brands dial that up a lot of health and hygiene brands dial that up the second thing again it's also time for brands to look for how socially relevant are you one is obviously being relevant from your offerings etc perspective but second when i say social relevance there's a lot of talk about over the years a lot of literature and marketing leaders across the world talking about purpose led brands and most of us have read about it i think this was a time where you know that 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 gap or if you are well placed on that purpose led equity for yourself i think that really came out in sharp contrast this time right if you one were to be just a transactional brand without any purpose or a larger social relevance that you have built then we've seen that kind of come back to bite the brands right because this is not the time to be just transactional with the consumers and again these things honestly vinita are not something that will give you sales this week or or this year but these are for the longer term if you could build that affinity with the consumers in a way that's relevant to them and that's compassionate to them i think it does a lot of uh, wonder for the brands in the longer term and that's what i've seen and lastly i think there are also opportunities for brands which have not defined it to come back and define it for example a aha moment for me last year when we were battling this at my company then was the kind of joy and the happiness messages that i saw when we could actually just give them a good burger crispy fries and a cold milkshake at their home it was just happiness and and amidst the gloom and 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 everything else that was happening last year if somebody were to just get that and bite into it and have a good happy meal and i was like wow there you are if you could basically as a brand if i could give them those two moments of happiness led by good food and just make them forget everything else that's happening there you are as a brand you you've done your two cents so i think it's a bit of a roundabout answer to your question but to be honest we're all figuring out uh, as to how this will play but i think we is a great learning curve for all of us in the marketing profession and what you spoke about purpose led brands i think that really stands out for me in terms of a very positive impact we can no longer just talk about promotions or sales that you mentioned it has to be very purpose led and i think the success behind what you did last year also came from the fact that i think it was led by a very strong purpose and you were aware of what was happening around you but at the same time also empathetic which also comes from your management style or even the brand where it is so authentic absolutely i think a few good things came together to address the situation that was panning out last year but we weren't exactly prepared none of us were prepared when this kind of was coming out you've been very patient in answering all my questions if there's one advice you'd want to leave the listeners with or one thing that you'd want them to remember what would that be 
Wow. Um, I think I think what I can share are perhaps a couple of pointers that I've realized in my own career and and in my own marketing journey uh, that helped me navigate and stay true and firm and and hopefully deliver a few good results both for the brand and business. I think I'll perhaps leave with three things that that I would I would put them as my own learnings in my marketing journey. I think if I would call them as three anchor points or three fulcrums around which I kind of work through my career. I think the first and foremost is you need to have a clearly articulated, sharply defined vision for your brand. And when I say this, it's not necessarily for the CEO or the CMO to do, but everybody in their own roles from a brand manager to an insights lead to everybody. Have the clearly defined, hey, my brand vision is this. This is what I want to take this brand to in the next so many years or quarters or whichever way you, you intend to define. So that for me always, always helps. So that for me, I call anchor number one or, or, or a pivot number one. The second thing is the people and the ecosystem that you're building around it, right? Marketing is basically, like I said, is a, is a great blend of science and the art and, and the people who do it and um, not putting down any other functions, but I believe passion is very important to be good at marketing and success, successful at marketing, right? Because I've seen most marketers of I've met in my life are the guys who chose it by design. They made they chose marketing because it was their clear choice number one. They wanted to do marketing, uh, so have such passionate people around who can help you realize, achieve that vision, and 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 are true partners for you in the journey. That's for me is is the anchor number two. The third one again, which helped for me is I genuinely believe, especially in consumer facing businesses. Marketing is a leadership function. You have to take leadership in your role as a marketer. You could be a brand manager on a on the smallest brand or you could be the CMO of the company, whatever your role. And when I say leadership, I say both in terms of being a thought leader and also in terms of actions that you take, right? So I would put something as leadership by default as marketing leaders in our journey. I think that to me, because you have to be the thought leader for the company, you have to be the steering guide, you have to give the direction for the company and you have to make that count. You have to execute it as well. So hence actions are also equally important. So just these three learnings, three key anchors as I, in my own marketing journey, like I said, having a sharp, clearly articulated brand vision, number one, having a highly passionate team to work around it. And number three, just leadership by default, uh, because marketers have to be leaders to drive organizations to the next frontier. Thanks a lot, Trini. It was super amazing to converse with you. It didn't feel like an interview. It felt like a conversation. Thanks a lot, Trini, for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Vinit. Thanks for making the time. Thanks for having me. And, and I hope everybody listening in are, are, are safe and, and, and uh, healthy and doing well. If you like this episode of The Rel Talk Show, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you think this podcast would help someone else, do share. Your support will take us a long way in reaching more listeners. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to email alerts on www.reltalk.show.